0: Hello and welcome to our latest Beyond Brexit podcast. I'm Emily Kahn. Regular listeners or listeners who've seen one of our recent Beyond Brexit webcasts will be familiar with the dulcet tones of Michael Moore, our senior political advisor here at PwC, former, or as we like to tease him, recovered politician. Michael has spent much of the last two and a half years undertaking what we refer to as Moore's tours, talking to businesses across the UK about Brexit and what they can do to prepare. This week alone, he's been in London, Newcastle, Brighton and Edinburgh, and today he's talking to me by phone from the Scottish borders. Michael, can you hear me?
1: Loudly and clearly, Emily, it's delightful to be able to talk to you on this bright sunny day here in rural South Scotland.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining me. Um, So let's make a start with the politics. Uh, You were no doubt watching the most recent round of votes in Parliament very closely. What is going on?
1: That is the recurring question of the last two and a half years isn't it? And after the votes uh, we've had since the turn of the year, people are as puzzled as ever. I think there are two three really important points that we are grappling with. The first one is that the possibility of us not getting a deal is very serious indeed, and it starts from a legal reality if we do not get an agreed treaty of some kind across the line, we will leave by the automatic operation of law, as some of the great commentators like to put it. And that's because we have triggered the Article 50 provisions in the existing treaties. So from the 29th of March at 11 o'clock at night, we are no longer bound by them. Or entitled to any of their benefits equally we have legislated within the United Kingdom so that European law has no role in our domestic jurisdiction so none of the rules and regulations of Europe apply to us from that same date and until something replaces that a draft a treaty and transition perhaps then we will end up with no deal and that's a pretty serious thing for business the second thing is that we've been trying for the last little while to see if a new way of dealing with the Irish backstop can be found. This is the provision that means that there'll be no hard border in Ireland, so that trade and all the political sensitivities can be ignored. We just get on with life as is. That's proved, as we've seen very difficult to do. The alternative arrangements that people have been looking for have proved very elusive. It's not just within the UK that that's a problem. It's also a problem with our European counterparts. So we've got domestic issues and European negotiating issues to get over. We need to find an alternative. Last point, if I may, Parliament has becoming more vocal in the last little while, more assertive and you'll have seen various efforts made to try and take control of the agenda and steer us towards a softer Brexit, potentially. That's interesting, and we need to keep track of it. The truth of it is, however, that nothing yet has stuck. So if Parliament really is going to take control and steer us somewhere different, it needs to do that pretty quickly. Mm.
0: So, I mean, there's some key milestones coming up. There's been a lot of talk about the end of February. Um, but we've been told this before. You know, We were all looking out for the meaningful vote and we were all looking out for the next meaningful vote. So what's going to be different if we're going to get that breakthrough that you just referred to at this next round of uh, votes coming up?
1: Uh, indeed. I mean, the boy crying wolf is a kind of recurring feature of this, is the kind of fear. And will we actually ever get to the point where it is done? It seems that we are now set up for a big uh, denouement in Parliament towards the end of February. That's where the government is steering us towards and that's a self-imposed deadline for a new set of proposals that Parliament can support and that can be negotiated with Europe. Is this any different to the rest? Well kind of in the sense that the end of February is only four weeks from us leaving the European Union. So at what point does the cliff edge looming into view concentrate minds? And I guess why people think this will be different is that if the Prime Minister's strategy of delivering something slightly different on the backstop, combined with really making people face up to the possibility and the reality of no deal, is going to have impact, this is the moment it will come to pass. Having like said that, the actual meeting, final meeting of European leaders, isn't till the middle of march or even later so it might even dribble on beyond this
0: mm, okay which i know from the clients that i'm speaking to is is very unnerving at the moment i mean i i introduced you by describing your tours around the country what, what's the mood out there what are you hearing from businesses at the moment
1: it's really interesting i, I think we've both seen a a a, a an interesting journey that our clients and, and others we've been talking to have gone on over these last couple of years. Kind of uh, initially a bit of shock at the decision, then engagement, then thinking, "Hang on, there's too much uh, that could be done here. There's too much uncertainty, too many options. Mm. There's a lot of time, uh, and frankly, it's not it's not on my radar as being a, a, a Brexit is not causing me problems in the day job." I think we've both, and our other colleagues, seen that the last few months, people have dropped the idea that there's not enough time. They've seen that it's kind of imminent. Uh, They have perhaps begun to realise that the range of outcomes is narrower than it was, but they're still nervous. And I think that the the staggering thing um, (laughs) is that for a long time, people did say it was too soon to be doing anything. And... Actually, somewhere in the last couple of weeks, it moved to being too late to do anything. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know which hour of which day it flipped from too soon to too late. Uh, Do you care to speculate?
0: Well, I I think it was about the 50 day mark for me. That's when I noticed that conversation change. 50 days to go, suddenly, people started saying it it felt too late. And actually, I'm really glad you brought that up because um, since you and I first talked about that, I've been working on a sort of to do list, if you will, for businesses who are feeling like it's too late. Um, can I run that past you? you yeah, think?
1: please, because I, I, I think it's really important that people are actually focused on realistic things they can do. So go for it.
0: OK, right. So first three things on the list, then. this is Consider this like the groundwork, if you will. So the first is moving from kind of risk analysis and mitigation planning into business continuity planning of the kind that you would do for any other type of shock. So that's understanding on day one who's on the hook for different types of issues that might materialise and who's going to do their day job whilst they're on the hook dealing with that and understanding how you're going to make decisions quickly to release resource if you need it to and escalate things. So you can sort all of that out now so that if you need to, everybody knows what they're doing. Secondly, then proactively engaging with your suppliers, your customers, other stakeholders. I mean, we're all in the same boat here, but if we can all be clear with each other what we're expecting from them and then be clear about what they're expecting from us we've got a good chance of everybody having kind of more solid assumptions and being able to work productively together in a, in a disrupted scenario and then the last point um i feel really strongly about this one is communicating with your people when i when i work with colleagues here across the firm because as you know michael i'm leading our own brexit preparation uh, program here People are really worried about this. Like they're really personally worried about what this means for them. And I'm not talking about EU nationals worrying about their citizenship, which is really important. But all of us are worried. So reassure your people and equip them to reassure your clients or your suppliers or whoever it may be that they deal with as the face of your business. So that's my first three. What do you think of those?
1: I know, that really brings it to life. And I think the focus on the human angle here is hugely important. Ultimately, Brexit's a pretty dry subject, a pretty complex one, perhaps quite one that people want to distance from. But it ends up being about human beings and people and in our organization. So I think it's really important the way you've put that there. Actually, it makes me think really, really important if that people have a shared understanding of all this so that within an organization, the boards, the senior execs, the people on the ground, the HR people, the logistics people are actually all in the same place about what it is we're dealing with here and what they need to do. Because those things you've mentioned, business continuity plans, engaging with suppliers, talking to one another, that's not going to work, is it, if you are not actually in, starting from the same assessment of what it is you're dealing with. Another thing I've been saying to people, and I know we've discussed this a lot with our clients together, is the need to have it all wrapped up in a plan. Um, and of course, when you get into plans, you can get into an awful lot of detail.
0: Yeah, and I agree. I I see a lot of clients that are feeling like the to do list is too long to grapple with, so do none of it. So I've been trying to think about, you know, if there were just three things that you did on a to do list within that plan, what those would be. So for me. Like looking at your supply chain, hugely daunting for organisations with complex supply chains. So just look at April, just look at the shipments that are arriving or that you're shipping to the EU, the EU in April. Who's going to be filling in? And we've seen the government announce some simplified customs procedures. So who's going to be filling those in? Where's the data coming from? And just making sure that just for the month of April, you've got that sorted. Same thing for travel. Who's going to the EU? What are they doing there? The types of activities they're doing, the kind that would be subject to work permissions. Do they need to go at all? Just getting a grip of that, just for that first month of April, even if it's just a temporary process, just getting a grip of that piece. And then the other thing I would have on the list is working capital, because a lot of the risks when they play out, the, the bottom line impact of them is a working capital impact. And that kind of thing can turn distressed businesses into very distressed businesses very quickly. Um, so understanding where the threats to working capital lie, looking at payments that might be delayed because the delivery's delayed or because your customer's in a difficult position to pay and looking at what you can do to protect yourself if that becomes the case. Those are my three priorities. Is there anything you'd add on that?
1: Well, I just think that really brings it into sharp focus because certainly um, some of the conversations I've had, the root into it is all about, you know, what would you if, if the beast from the east the big weather disaster we had a year ago recurred do you have a better plan do you have a plan do can you get it at that kind of scale I think all the points you've made there really fit with that idea don't 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 be too ambitious just think practically about those things and, and each of those ideas I think plays into that and um, the work capital point, I think, is, is hugely important. It's very easy for people like us to say, well, the obvious answer to all of this is to increase your stock and ignore the operational challenges, ignore the, you know, where do you start mm, the stuff. Right actually the working capital implications of that are, are hugely important. And it doesn't make me then think of one other thing that I would add to, to your list, and uh, I know we've discussed it uh, in, in different uh, client situations, is actually talking to the banks. You know, everybody's, one of the closest relationship a business will have outside the business is with its bank. Financial services that's probably, it's fair to say, been on Brexit much more carefully than, than most, that it's got a responsibility to do that. But where it relates to you and your business, how they're dealing with it, that matters hugely. Uh, so that conversation and making sure that you each understand each other and that they get what might happen to your working capital and so on, that's, I think, a vital conversation to have.
0: Okay, right. Adding that to the list. And and obviously, that's the theme that's running through all of this, which is about speaking to people and making sure that you've got a common understanding. Um, So listeners, I'm going to write this list up and you'll be able to find it on our Beyond Brexit website as well as the wealth of all of our other insights at pwc.co.uk forward slash Brexit. Um, Nearly at the end of our time, Michael. So final question to you. Um, You know I love these. Time for a Brexit myth bust. What's one you've been hearing a lot recently that you'd like to get us all straight on? I'm
1: slightly amazed at this, but the number of people who say that this is just the latest version of the millennium bug, that it isn't going to happen, a deal will be sorted, and therefore it will all have been a fuss about nothing. I think that is a huge, huge gamble for people to take. I don't think the comparison stands as a starting point. But the critical thing is no deal isn't just a possibility. It's a pretty serious possibility. Mm. And I don't think people will want to look back afterwards if we didn't get a deal and think, I did nothing because I thought that I didn't have to take this seriously. So I think that treating it seriously, not allowing yourself to, just to treat it as a million bug, is hugely important. And anyway, any work that's done now is going to prepare people for the next phase Because when we get across the line with the deal, which I still hope we will, we will then have a couple of years to contemplate how a new relationship with Europe is going to change our existing trading patterns and our business models. We need to be on that. So let's get at it. Let's keep focused and let's hope a deal is done, but not let off our energy and our focus when it's done.
0: Absolutely. Thank you very much. I I couldn't agree more with, with what you just said there. Um, And that's all we've got time for today. So thank you, Michael. Safe travels as you continue with your tours around the country. And one extra thank you to our producer, Amber, who has taken the PwC podcast channel from zero to its first 100,000 listens. She's off to pursue a career in radio and we will miss her. But I and the rest of the team will be back very soon. Bye for now.